Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Wow. Stocks have come off those lows posted last week, the end of September. And then just this week alone, we've seen the Dow put on 1,500 points in the first two trading days of October. But don't get too excited. Our guest today may put a little cold water on the idea that we're completely clear. And I agree with him, by the way. Maybe some more upside in the short term, but investors may need to brace themselves for some more pain before this is all said and done. And that's what we're talking about today. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Games. bring on Jim Welch, macro strategist and portfolio manager at macrotides.com out of San Diego, California. Jim, always great to have you on the Gaines podcast. I'm always glad to join you. Well, Jim, we had you on the podcast not too long ago, and we were talking about getting that retest of those June lows. And we saw that retest get put in last week, just like the Dow Theory told us it would. And stocks actually broke through those lows and posted new levels. In fact, let me, for you Dow Theory enthusiasts, let me give you those uh, new levels. Uh, For the the new low, which is on September 30th, the new low for the Dow Industrials, 28,725.51. And then the new low for the Dow Transports uh, for the same day, September 30th, 12,000. 58.26. So those are the new established lows for the Dow Theory. And that's where you pick it up, Jim. This recovery, and it's been aggressive. Uh, Is it short covering? Is it uh, the market's not believing the Fed? Is it FOMO? Uh, Give us your take. Well, what we've seen is this idea uh, that the Fed will pivot sooner rather than later. And the justification for that thought track um, is, you know, last week the Bank of in- England was forced to intervene uh, in their financial market uh, to stabilize particularly their bond market. Uh, the 10-year gilt, which is their equivalent of our 10-year treasury, had gone from 3.3% on September 22nd to uh, 4.5% on the 27th. So you're talking about a 120 basis point increase in their 10-year guilt 
And so the Bank of England came in and said, we're going to buy bonds, and that has stabilized not only the bond market, uh, but obviously their equity market as well. Uh, what we saw overnight is the Reserve Bank of Australia was expected to increase their policy rate by 50 basis points, and instead they did a 0.25. So the speculation is that these moves by these other central banks are a forerunner for the, uh, for the uh, Fed to also dial back its tightening moves. And the, the one thing I would say, Andy, this year, there have been a, at least two pretty good rallies. Uh, one was off the February-March lows into uh, late March, early April, uh, which was predicated on the idea that the Fed wouldn't be raising rates as much as they had said. Uh, the S&P got to 4,600, and then when they really proved that they were going to follow through, the S&P dropped from that high in late March to the low in that you just cited. We then saw another rally off the June low as investors started to believe that the Fed would raise rates only then to cut them early next year. And what fueled that in part was the GDP report for the second quarter came in and it was negative. And so a lot of people jumped to the conclusion that the economy was in a recession. So the point being is the, the other two times the market rallied, it was premised on a supposition that proved incorrect. I think the same thing is going to happen again, Andy, but in the near term, the market can continue, continue to move up as people you know, believe it, and then you get the short covering, as you noted, that has definitely played a role in the last two days, and then the fear of missing out. I mean, the last thing anybody wants to do is miss the beginning of the next bull market which they think will be signaled when the Fed pivots. So I think there's more strength coming. At, at the same time, I think the idea that the Fed is going to be uh, pivoting anytime soon, I just don't agree with it. Well, and it's all about credibility. Uh, we've talked about their lack of credibility going into this, and now they're they're addressing of inflation. As you mentioned, the market thinks that they're going to kind of then dial back their aggressiveness from all indications, it's they got to follow this through. And again, throw, just explain if they don't follow through the downside of just out of control inflation. Well, uh, Chair Powell has, I think, expressed it very clearly that they, you know, this is what they need to do, must do, and they're very serious. So I don't doubt that they're going to follow through in the near term. Obviously, anything approaching a financial disruption or crisis. Of course, the Fed would respond just like the Bank of England did last week. But I, I think there's a couple points that have to be kept in mind. The, the Fed, uh, Chair Powell and a number of other members of the FOMC have repeatedly said, we do not want to make the same mistakes uh, that took place in the 1970s. And what happened back then is uh, in 1967, 68, uh, the Fed saw inflation rising. They really ratcheted up the Fed funds rate only to trigger a recession. Did the same thing in 73, 74, and in 1979. So basically, the Fed would jam on the brakes only then to have it to reverse course when the economy fell into a recession. I believe this Fed is trying to raise rates up to a modestly restrictive level and so that it doesn't tip the economy into a recession so they can hold 
the funds rate at that modestly restrictive level through most of next year. I think the Fed funds rate will peak somewhere between three and three quarters and four and a quarter. So the point that I think the market is going to have to accept anew is this idea, yeah, the Fed isn't, I don't think, going to 4.6% on the funds rate next year. Um, but they are going to stick to it. And the net result is if they do, in fact, raise the funds rate up to four, four and a quarter, and then keep it there, slowly but surely, the the, uh, uh, the accumulated monetary tightening is going to slow the economy. We are going to see the unemployment rate go up. The Fed penciled in 44 uh, percent for the unemployment rate. It's about 3.7 right now. Andy, I think it's probably going to go closer to 5% next year. So my point is, I think the market is so focused on, okay, when is the Fed going to, you know, uh, reduce the magnitude of increases? I'm in the camp that thinks they're only going to go 50 basis points at the November 2nd meeting. Um, it, you know, the street has been looking for 75. Again, that can be misconstrued by the market into thinking, oh, my God, that's the signal that the, we've been waiting for, that the Fed isn't going to follow through. So to me, the story of this year has been investors in Wall Street, uh, even those with 25, 30 years of experience, Andy, have never experienced a 40-year high in inflation and the monetary policy required to really bring it down over time. And um, the net result is they keep jumping at these ideas that, oh, the Fed is going to pivot or not follow through. And uh, you get great short covering rallies, but they peter out when it becomes evident that the Fed is, in fact, going to follow through. I think the same thing is going to happen here. But, you know, the prior rallies suggest that uh, this rebound could last for a number of weeks, three to six weeks. Um, so I think there's more upside. It's going to be choppy. Um, but I think ultimately, if I'm right, the market is going to roll over uh, and we'll see at least a retest of the numbers that we just saw. And I think there's a pretty good chance we will take the 3586 level from last Friday out. Yeah, I'm there with you. I, I do think that the market's going to roll over. The, the fact that it moved so aggressively to the upside in such a short amount of time actually doesn't bode well kind of indicates that, as you mentioned, that's that short covering, and then we'll follow through with that yeah. FOMO. We saw the same thing, though, after those June lows. We saw those markets come back aggressively just to give right. it back and then go lower. How's the one thing this... I would point ahead, out, I'm though, sorry. any is that the rebound, and I agree with you, okay, in terms of this huge rebound in two days, a lot of short covering, fear missing out. Um, that is what happens at the beginning of a new bull market when the Federal Reserve is, in fact, about to reverse course and start cutting rates. If you look back to December of 2018, obviously in March of 2020, when the pandemic hit, and if you look at every bear market low in the last 50, 70 years, uh, those lows are typically happening right in concurrence when the Federal Reserve is shifting policy. But that's but as you said, they're not shifting time. policy. That's the and that's the right, point. Right. Why doesn't but Wall those, Street believe them? Because they've lost credibility, who, a wistful hope. Yeah. I mean, what's the deal here? I'm going to take no, I'm going to no, take the is. Fed for it, their word at, at this point because they already they already yeah. blew it and got egg on their face. So now, yeah, yeah. I'm going to say they've learned their lesson and they're going to take their word, and that's why I'm I'm for the rollover and and uh, and not very yeah. bullish right now. Yeah, but if you want to be bullish, okay, and believe that the Fed is going to ease up, 
and you look at the breadth of the last two days, the percentage move, you know, those are the kinds of things that, in fact, do happen at the beginning of bull markets. So it's easy to confuse and, in a sense, circular logic. Well, look at the, the breadth is so good, the big gain, and that just proves the Fed is going to be easing. Well, no, it doesn't. But if, if you believe that markets uh, discount the future, it's easy to talk oneself into thinking that, oh, this big move means the Fed's going to ease. And, uh, again, I don't think that's the way it's going to play out. But in the near term, we're likely to see higher prices um, just because of the momentum generated the last couple of days. Uh, and we're going, going to see weaker economic data slowly but surely start to pile up. And I really believe in, in the uh, October macro ties, and I'm happy to send that to uh, listeners of the GAINS podcast. Uh, I went through and looked at historically what's happened to the CPI and what we're likely to see. And I think by the time we get to uh, mid-April, when the March CPI comes out, the CPI will be under 5%. So I think inflation is going to unwind in coming months, and but I think it's a curveball because I think the Fed, as I said before, they're not going to try to jam on the brakes. They're going to raise rates to a modestly restrictive level and then hold it there so that the economy slowly but surely you know, slows down so that wage inflation, that's the key thing here. It isn't the CPI inflation, it's wage inflation. And I think you know, that takes months for that to play out. And that's why I think after another rally or an extension of the move we've seen in the last couple of days, the market will roll over. And uh, it's just a question of how high this rally will extend to. As of the taping of this GAINS podcast, yeah. we got the job openings down a million positions. But, uh, you know, that's still there's still like something like 10 million available significantly yeah. needs to they, they need to take a couple million out of there yet still. So we're oh, just starting to see more. this. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, again, from the Fed's perspective and Paul has talked repeatedly about how extremely tight the labor market is. And he thinks, and I'm not sure I totally agree, but he's correct, at least to some extent. If you go from 11 million job openings down to seven, which was what the peak was in 2018. So, again, shows you how extreme the numbers have been over the last 12 months. That if you can get it down to six or seven, so the ratio goes from two to one in terms of job openings to unemployed people, it's one to one. That will relieve a lot of the extra wage pressure. You know, companies will stop giving bonuses and hiking uh, wages to attract new employees. And he's correct. That will help. But I think longer term, there's some problems with the labor market, uh, a decline in the labor participation rate that's been going on for 20 years. I think the labor market tightness is more of a chronic problem so that, yeah, the decline in the job uh, uh, jolts report today is a step in the right direction. But we've got a long way to go. And I think, again, that's what the markets are failing to, I think, fully appreciate um, that a, a couple months down in the jolt survey is not going to be the information the Fed really requires. And it's going to take a while. As you mentioned, I mean, yep. we're just they've they've made some policy move. They've gotten more aggressive with rates. We're starting to see slowdowns in housing. And we just got a little whiff today. But let, yeah, like you just alluded to, 
a lot more has to happen between now and then, and they can't, you know, sit by and be comfortable at this point. Hey, I'm going to take a quick break here. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If that's an option for you, I've been told that's podcast gold and would appreciate it. And, of course, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gaines episode drops. We drop Gaines episodes on Wednesday morning. We'll be right back with Jim Welsh after the break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Back with Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at macrotides.com in San Diego. So as we were we were kind of talking, Jim, before the break, uh, the setup and, and Fed policy and how maybe Wall Street is misreading this. Uh, let's take a look at the market technically. We've talked uh, the last time we kind of went into the Fibonacci and some of how you see the market technically. Uh, let's get a couple levels on paper. Hey, Gaines listeners, grab your pen and paper real quick here so you can jot these down. Talk about yep. the levels you're watching, what you kind of see will happen, and uh, just pick up from there. Okay, the market was really, really oversold. I do a, a technical indicator that just simply measures every single day, Andy, how many stocks were up today minus the number of stocks that declined. And I do a 21-day average. And last week late, it was down to like minus 940, uh, extremely oversold. The uh, low in that indicator in January uh, and in uh, June was like minus 650. So the point being is when the market, it's like a rubber band. You stretch it so far in one direction, then, you you know, as soon as the selling pressure lightens up, it snaps back. 
So this rally is going to unwind, if you will, how oversold the market is, which is another reason why I think it's going to extend for a number of weeks uh, as opposed to being, you know, a two, three, four day affair. So in terms of retracement level, just from a chart standpoint, that area around 3,900 was significant support on a number of occasions, and I think it'll be some resistance. So I think potentially the S&P can get up near 3,900 uh, on this move. Uh, there will be a pullback, just as we saw in that June-July uh, rally. Um, you know, the the initial rally took the S&P from 36.37 to 39.46 in late June, and then the S&P dropped 200 points, stabilized in July, and then took off again. So I think uh, from a, an investing standpoint, uh, I would not chase with a lot of money right here because my bet would be is we'll get additional strength, and then there will be a pullback. Um, of 100 to 150 S&P points, and that will be a place to look to add for additional strength going into probably November would be my guess. Again, the market's going to start to anticipate that the Fed may only go 50 basis points. I think there's a good chance that the Fed will actually deliver that 50 basis points instead of 75. That would be the perfect backdrop for the market to rally up into that November meeting and maybe a bit beyond it. So that's my, my guess, Andy, that a rally up into mid-November is going to be possible, especially if the Fed delivers on a 50 basis point hike. We're getting close to the midterms. And I, I know there's, you know, in the market, there's often posturing before an election. That's another factor here we haven't even talked about in a while. I mean, it's always been so much about the Fed. Yeah. How does the midterms play into it? Uh, and there's an energy component to this as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think the midterms, um, I think the market would react favorably if uh, the House changes hands from the Democrats, the Republicans. Um, I think, you know, a, a stalemate uh, would be welcome because, again, there has been legitimate criticism in terms of the amount of spending last year and with additional plans this year. And at this point in time, additional spending is inflationary. Um, we can debate how much, but it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't lead to lower prices. So I think if you get a stalemate, Andy, the market may like that. Uh, the Fed is trying to slow the economy. So if the federal government is uh, you know, putting more money in consumers' pockets, uh, they're working at cross purposes. So I think that's why the market would react favorably uh, if the Republicans retake um, the, the House. Um, and in terms of energy, uh, you know, we've talked about this. Uh, the administration has done everything it can to limit uh, investment in oil and gas development in pipelines, uh, and they've done a good job. And the net result is oil companies rather than increasing their investments, even though oil got above $100, been, you know, they know that over the next five to 10 years, um, it's going to be difficult to make an investment today and see a decent rate of return on that investment. So instead, they've been paying more dividends, buying back stock, and the net result is we're just going to have less oil and gas five, 10 years from now than we otherwise would uh, have if, uh, you know, the, the effort to minimize fossil fuels in this country 
wasn't so pronounced. Does that make energy attractive, you know, with the fact that you, yeah. you know that uh, prices are going to probably remain elevated? So, uh, yeah, we'd love to get your yeah. thoughts on, on energy, no, you know, and that's right. a dividend provider, too. Sometimes uh, yeah. a place where people get cash in down markets. Yeah, I think the energy sector uh, has some support. The other thing that the administration has said, it's been selling a million barrels of oil now, and I think the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is at a 40-year low. Yeah, that's and they're going to do that. I'm sorry, Jim. They're going to do that up until right before the election. And just one thing I want to throw in there, and and then I'll have you pick up, is the fact OPEC just said that they were going to uh, maybe cut by what we're tapping our reserve for. I mean, we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot here (laughs) when you think about it. Go ahead and pick up there about energy. Sooner or later, you know, they're going to have to replenish the Strategic Petroleum Reserve with purchases. Now, they've said, oh, we're going to be able to do that under $80 a barrel. Um, Again, you have a natural supplier in terms of OPEC looking and saying, okay, if the global economy slows down enough so that the demand for oil weakens and drops the price, they're looking, I think, to get ahead of that, Andy, by cutting production, um, whether it's 500,000 barrels a day to a million barrels a day, Either way, I think they're going to make a move to try to keep oil prices supportive, even if the economy globally slows down a little bit. So eventually, sooner or later, uh, you know, the U.S. is going to have to replenish the SPR, and that means more buying of oil. Whether it happens under 80 or 90, the point is there's going to be a buyer coming in uh, to buy a fair amount of oil at some point in time. So, uh, again, I, I think there's a everything that lines up with being very supportive with oil prices probably holding above $65 a barrel uh, to $75 range, um, you know, for the foreseeable future. And as you noted, a lot of uh, oil stocks uh, pay pretty nice dividends so that you're looking at a combination play where they may hold up better if the market weakens, they've just gone through a fairly significant correction. So I think the oil stocks are an attractive area. Just back to the midterms real quick. Yeah, you you mentioned yeah. that, you know, usually markets do better when not one party is in control, where they've split control of the government. It seems like maybe yep. there's more status quo. Are, are you going to play the election? I know that is a trade. Some... Uh, some yeah. folks trade yeah. the election. You know, uh, how, how, how will you handle that? I, I, again, I think in the current environment that we're in, Fed policy uh, is more dominant of a, a factor. So that if you get the, the market rallying because it anticipates the Fed only going 50 basis points and the Fed delivers on that. And then, oh, by the way, the election turns out where the Republicans have taken back the House. That's just icing on the cake. So I don't think that's just because of the current environment that we're in, uh, where monetary policy, because of that, is just the more dominant um, factor. So, um, you know, again, to me, it's piggybacking what happens with the Fed. And again, I think the Fed isn't going to go 75, um, but that doesn't change the resolve in terms of keeping the funds rate at a higher level also increasing the funds rate at the mid-December meeting, um, and then, again, keeping it at a high level so that they don't have to pivot 
and not cause a recession. So those are the things that the market will have to face down the road a piece. In the short run, it's going to focus on the prospect that potentially the Fed will only go 50 basis points. And as we get closer to the election, depending on what the numbers look like, you know, then it becomes more of a, uh, you know, and then you also have that, you know, type of thing as opposed to that being the dominant uh, determinant. What's your play right now? Give us some ideas. You know, I, I always, uh, yep. you know, hit you up for some ideas and, yep. and they can be even a little risky, us gains listeners. <laughs> so we have a little bit more yeah. of a risk tolerance, but give us a yep. couple ideas. I, I, you know, I, these, these are tough shows because, you know, it's really easy to be bullish and when you have a, a bunch of great ideas and you're feeling it, you know, it, it, it's fun to talk about, you know, new technologies and, and the, the potential to make profit and these cool companies and the things they do. These tend to be tougher because we don't we're, we're not super bullish on the markets right now. And, and yet we still want right. to make some money. So, right. uh, I mean, uh, what's what's well, the play? I, yeah, well, in the, I think the framework then. Andy, is that, okay, anything that is bought today has to be bought with a mindset that potentially in four to six weeks, it's going to be sold. Now, if this is a brand new bull market, four to six weeks from now, hopefully we'll be able to make that determination. But I think based on what we've talked about, what we know today, the odds are we're going to get a bounce and then there's going to be another decline. So these are trades. Uh, I'm a big contrary opinion guy, and so when everybody's negative about something, I kind of tend to like, start looking at it. Uh, I think Treasury bond yields are going to come down. Uh, we're going to see weaker economic growth. Um, inflation is going to come down in coming months, uh, potentially by a fair amount. Uh, technically, uh, there's reasons to think that the bond yields have either hit their peak already or will very soon. So I've recommended in two phases buying TLT, which is the Treasury Bond uh, ETF, has a maturity of about 25, 26 years. So it trades closer to the 30-year Treasury than it does the 10-year. Uh, I've recommended buying it at 105.60 and 102.70. And I would add a third if it drops uh, below 101 uh, uh, to, to that position. I think a rally up to 110, 112, and potentially 120 uh, can unfold as we get into early next year. And you have the combination of um, inflation's coming down, the economy's slowing, and the Fed, by I think late this year, early next year, will have hit the pause button. In other words, we've got to where we wanted to get the funds rate. Now we're just going to sit here. I think all those things are tailwinds for yields coming down which would give a TLT uh, a lift. Um, and then the other one, I, li I like gold. The positioning in gold has gotten very constructive. Sentiment has gotten very, very negative. So if Treasury yields come down, that also would be a tailwind for gold. In addition, the dollar has been unbelievably strong. I think it's near high. Uh, it may have peaked uh, just in the last week, uh, but I think in coming months, uh, as we get closer to that point in time where the Fed, you know, reaches the restrictive level that they feel is warranted, and then they do hit the pause button, that should be beneficial for gold. You mentioned that energy kind of looks or could be potentially yeah. favorable going forward. Are you dipping in the space? Are you raising income by 
owning oil stocks and, and cashing in on those yeah. dividends. What's your play in oil? Well, I would buy the uh, major oil companies. The easiest way is the oil ETF, which is XLE, and that way you have a uh, uh, you know diversified portfolio of oil stocks. Um, to me, that's the easiest way to invest in the energy sector. Uh, the um, drillers and so forth are way more volatile than XLE. So for those who are, uh, you know, happy to uh, trade something that's more volatile, uh, XOP would be uh, that choice. As mentioned, we retested those June lows and, you know, put some new lows in last week, essentially, the end of September. Did you feel when we touched on those lows, the most recent lows, and for both the transports and the industrials, did it feel like a bottom? Did it feel like that washout? It was pretty yeah. aggressive, and we've seen it come back yeah. quite a bit. But did it feel like a bottom to you? Um, I thought we were going to have a rally coming into this week, primarily because a number of the momentum indicators that I use, and one of them is that 21-day uh, moving average of uh, mark, you know, advances minus declines. Even as the S&P was making lower lows on Friday, a number of these indicators were making a higher low. And that typically is what happens right before at least a short-term rally. And then, of course, the triggers came in in terms of uh, uh, the Bank of England, the idea that the Fed may uh, take its cue from the Bank of England, and then obviously today with the Reserve Bank of Australia, you know, if you were throwing gasoline on that whole idea. So technically, to me, the market was set up for a rebound. Uh, last week in the uh, weekly technical review, uh, uh, September 26, I wrote, I thought the S&P would drop below 3,600, and then we would rally to 3,750. So I did not expect that to happen in three days. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, well, that's, and that's the okay. thing. This stuff, uh, this, th- I've talked to, to Chuck Carlson, another one of our regular gains guests about this. There is almost a consolid- or, um, a compression in yes. the way markets move versus, say, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, and a lot of it could also come down to availability, more market players, the technology everybody's using. But I want you to touch on that real quick, too. I agree. It's funny. I had a conversation with somebody this morning, and I said, you know, the move over the last two days is something that would have maybe taken two weeks or so uh, exactly. 20, 30 years ago. Exactly. Okay? And part of it is the leverage that's built in uh, using options and futures. Um, the positioning is so much bigger as a percent of, if you will, the amount of assets being traded. So that's why some of the moves to the downside are pretty obviously uh, magnified. Uh, but the moves to the upside uh, are also magnified as opposed to evolving over a window of time. We saw that and, in 2020. Uh, so oh, we, I agree. We saw that coming off of those pandemic lows in 2020, you know, just the, yeah. the movement to the, the upside. Yeah. The difference is, though, you had the federal government pledging trillions of dollars of support and the uh, Fed uh, doing everything it could uh, to uh, support financial markets and the economy. Uh, So, again, without having that kind of a pivot, um, that's why, again, I think one has to be careful in terms of concluding that the bear market is indeed over. Uh, I'm just I'm not in that camp yet. If the S&P goes down to make a lower low uh, in the next two to three weeks, uh, I probably would be a buyer of that, Andy, somewhat aggressively. Um, The pattern that I've seen in January 
and in May of this year when that oscillator I talked about got really overdone, there was a snapback rally uh, and then a subsequent decline that took the S&P to a lower low in February, lower low in June, and then we had those moves up, and you had a divergence on that oscillator. So um, I would like to see the S&P follow through a little bit more, and then in a perfect world, and we know how often that happens, there would be another leg down that would uh, retest those lows, and that oscillator would be a healthy position. That may be a lot to ask <laughs> right. in the current environment, because right now, again, people are convincing themselves that the Fed is just about to pivot with policy. I think it's a mistake, but in the short run, that kind of thinking you know, kind of uh, controls money flow. And we've seen the reaction uh, you know, in the market to that 180-degree flip from last Friday to yesterday morning. And then as we wrap up today's GAINS podcast, your takeaway and the message you want to get across to our uh, listeners. Well, uh, subscribe to MacroTides.com. No, I, I, again, I think you know one of the things that I uh, feel has been very helpful, Andy, is I've been around for a long time. Um, and knowing the Fed as well as I do, to be able to not get caught up with uh, some of the spin that has been happening this year in terms of what the Fed was expected to do, which I thought was unrealistic, that's been very helpful. And um, again, I think that people just have to realize the Fed wants to slow the economy down gradually over time so that it can bring the unemployment rate up and create slack in the labor market so wages, uh, the growth in wages slows down. Um, we're talking mid next year, you know, so this isn't going to be a quick uh, turnaround by the Fed. Uh, I think that to me is the main point. And we're going to see that in the next couple of weeks as more and more Fed governors and uh, presidents give speeches. We've seen two or three of them already the last two days, but right now no one's paying attention to that. Right. But I think that they will continue with that drumbeat, Andy. All right. Big thanks to Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at Macro Tides out of San Diego. And Jim, real quick, give the GAINS listeners the information. Take Jim up on this with this Macro Tides here. Yeah, I'll send you the October issue, which I I go through a lot of detail, and I think you find it informative. Just send me an email, jimwelshmacro at gmail, and I'll be happy to send you uh, the uh, October uh, Macro Tides. All right, and that's Welsh. W-E-L-S-H. Like the nationality, not like the grape juice. All right. Until next time. I appreciate it. We'll see you, Jim. All right, Andy. Be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I mention it all the time. Podcast Gold would appreciate the solid there. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We are back next Wednesday, and I look forward to seeing you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.